0: This is Food First Michigan on 760 WJR, sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state, and by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone, and thanks for listening. Hunger deprives our kids of more than just food. It's a simple fact. A child's chance for a bright tomorrow starts with getting enough food to eat today. But in America, one in seven children may not know where their next meal is coming from. And for the more than 12 million kids in the United States facing hunger, getting the energy they need to learn and grow can be a daily challenge. We have a responsibility to this next generation to set them up for success and to give them every opportunity to succeed, which in turn will strengthen our communities and our country. That's why children facing hunger is a main priority for the Food Bank Council of Michigan and our members. One of the biggest hindrances to helping children become food secure is an unwillingness to understand and adapt to the premise that you must help people where they are, not where you wish they were. The stubbornness to do this combined with a false application of a political dogma, along with a personal bias of blame against those who struggle, hinder our efforts to create a food secure environment For the next generation of workers for our state. Prime indicators such as attendance at pre-k impact how many students reach their reading level and this in turn is a predictor of our graduation rates versus the percentage of dropouts for high school. All of these indicators are fueled by a child's access to healthy nutritious foods. Food security will enhance their chances to become the best version of themselves. Food security and a child's life will impact their education outcomes, including attendance and behavior, as well as their long-term health outcomes. By creating a food-first culture across our state, we will ensure our communities will be set up for success, as well as our country. Essentially, I want employers, the MEDC, the Department of Labor to really hear me on this. Workforce development for Michigan starts with creating food security now for this current generation of children. This is an investment in our future, in our businesses, and the future of Michigan. It is not just charity. Our guest today understands that investing in children is not just the right thing to do, it is the smart thing to do. Colin McDonough is helping organize the efforts around school meals for all. Colin is the government relations director for the American Heart Association and he joins Jerry Brisson and me on this edition of Food First Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry Brisson joins me here in the WJR studio. Jerry, great to see you. It's
1: always a pleasure, doctor. Always a pleasure.
0: We're going to jump right in because, as promised, uh, Colin McDonough is the director for government relations at the American Heart Association here in Michigan. And, Colin, we welcome you to this is your first time with us on Food First Michigan. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So for our listeners, Colin, would you just share a little bit of your story? And, um, you you know, how did you become the director for government relations for the American Heart Association here in Michigan?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I've been working in the state legislature, in nonprofit, in government affairs for coming up on a decade now. I started as a legislative intern in the state house. I moved up to two different positions, finally becoming a legislative director in the Michigan Senate, and then I moved over and did government affairs for a trade association. I worked in several nonprofits now doing government affairs, and really what's, what's important to me is making a career of, of something that can make a tangible difference in people's lives. So nowhere is that more fundamental than public health and addressing public health disparities, and making sure we enact programs that really help people live long, healthy lives.
1: So some people would say you've spent a lifetime in the swamp. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's often how people think of, you know, doing legislative and government and advocacy work. But I just want to say uh, we are so grateful for you spending time at really – helping our legislature be its best because we fundamentally believe in this work. We believe in what you're doing there. It's the only way that people can have a voice is when people like you are standing in the gap for them. So we are really grateful for that and uh, very excited to hear a little bit more about, uh, you know, what's happening and how you're making a difference with your handful of life. That's what I was going to say. I mean, this
0: is a, you <laughs> beat me. At, you beat me to it, man. That's stole my line. So it's great <laughs> to have Colin with us. He is serving currently as the director of government relations for the American Heart Association. And uh, with his one handful of life, Jerry, he has a huge endeavor here that we at the Food Bank Council and our members are very supportive of and we're pretty excited about. So, Colin, I'm not going to steal your thunder. How about you telling us what this great
2: endeavor is? Thanks for the question. And what we're really working on, what I'm dedicating a lot of my focus to right now, is a program called Healthy School Meals for All. So, in Michigan, one in seven one in seven children are hungry, which means about 300,000 kids. So this program would provide no cost breakfast and lunch to all public school students across the state of Michigan. And this was a program that was signed into law in Congress back in March of 2020 and existed until the beginning of this school year. So really what we're trying to do is put in a state mechanism for Michigan public school students and that would cover about one point four million students and serve over eighteen million additional meals.
0: Wow, I like that. I like that. And you know, we, Jerry, you have worked with schools and gleaners throughout Southeast Michigan, like many of our food banks across the state, have put pantries in schools, you've addressed, you have come alongside of the education system because we have a firm and held belief here on Food First Michigan that if they're not well fed, they'll never be well read. And this is important. So tell us, what's your reaction to
1: what Colin has shared? You know, if you want kids to thrive, which is really, you know, that is the future, right? It's it's the next generation, and you want as many kids to thrive as possible. You want kids to reach their potential. Whatever their home situation is, If they're having those meals in school, you are making it that much more likely that every child will thrive, right? They are are not going to be distracted in school, wondering where their next meal is going to come from. And some kids, certainly the kids that we serve through food banking, we know they need the meals. They might not be getting enough at home. Uh, But when you talk about all kids, what you're really saying is we want to prioritize children, period, right? Because you want all kids to be as focused and as successful in school as they can possibly be. And even if that means that, you know, they just rushed out of the house and didn't have anything to eat and now they can get something at school, that still has value. So I really do think it is a it's an important investment, but also just an important attitude to have about how we take care of the next generation. So that's how we see things at Gleaners and why we've been involved with school programs for so long. And it's how we feel like we come alongside the state in so many ways as continuing to, to reach kids and families as as many ways as possible
2: so everyone can thrive. And, and just to touch on that a bit. We know that most children receive up to half of their daily calories from school meals. And research shows that school meals are the healthiest ones they receive each day. So when Healthy School Meals for All was active during the first two and a half years of the pandemic, there was a positive association with diet quality, food security and academic performance, and also a decrease in BMI. So really what this program does is ensure that no child is left behind.
1: My doctor wants me to be on that program, I'm just saying.
0: (laughs) Well, there might be a couple of grades you need to repeat anyway, but we'll talk about that off air. So, you know, I think, Colin, the thing that strikes me is um, the good news of this, because I don't see this as uh, – I don't see the work that even the food banks do in partnership with education as an act of charity. I see this as an investment in Michigan's future.
2: And it's going to well, take some money to make an investment, right? Absolutely. But we know that that enacting programs like these has numerous tangible benefits. We know that it leads to improved food security and diet quality – that it advances student health and health equity, that it strengthens school budgets, that it removes stigma around those who are unable to pay. And we we also know that this leads to decreases in behavioral health problems, increases in attendance, and increased performance in the classroom.
0: You know, that's, that's I think, married to an educator I am. I think that uh, all of them are pretty excited about that. And um, I, I really think that... I, I remember my wife, Christy, she she would just make sure kids had access to food when they got into her classroom, her program, or whatever she, she happened to be, because she knew that they couldn't not only you know, concentrate, but it, as you said a couple of times, it really affected their behavior. Absolutely. You know, and I think that... Um, the, a core belief, again, here at Food First Michigan is that you got to help people where they're at, not where you wish they were. And, yes. and, and people can say, wait, this is not the government's responsibility or it's not charity's responsibility. But the fact of the matter is you have to help people where they're at, and particularly kids who are
2: innocent. And aside from the food security aspect, we know that providing nutritious meals creates healthier eating patterns and helps mitigate chronic disease like hypertension and cardiovascular disease, high cholesterol and diabetes. In fact, poor nutrition is one of the leading causes of cardiovascular disease. So this is a multifaceted approach. This looks at making sure that all of our students are fed and really to, to touch on what you just said, meeting people where they are. Right, well,
0: it's, it's easy to see how the Heart Association is so interested in this, and, and, and you're giving so much of your expertise and time to lead this effort. And there's quite a few people who are involved with us in this, and I want us to talk about those on the other side of the break. This is Colin McDonough. He is the Director for Government Relations at the American Heart Association. That's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we're all three back with you in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here in the WJR studio. Colin McDonough, our guest today, Director of Government Relations for the American Heart Association and a bit of a cat herder as, I don't know, I, I looked on the email list, Colin, and it's like oh, over a 100 people from almost that many different organizations that is interested in this healthy school meals for all. And one of the people that's really interested is uh, this, this lady that we, I think we call her Governor Whitmer, um, <laughs> who has proposed $160 million in her budget to help pay for healthy school meals for all. And so that's got to work its way through the legislature. And this is where your expertise comes in and herding all the cats so that we're all on the same message. So tell us a little bit about that. And then I think, Jerry, you've got a pretty good um, question from from your experience with working with schools and teachers
2: as well. Just to, to step back a bit, we've been working on this issue. I started with the Heart Association in October. We started working on this issue back in November and from day one, I've been working with a couple of partner agencies. The it, one is No Kid Hungry Michigan, another is the School Nutrition Association of Michigan. So within that time frame, we've met countless times with the governor's office, the Michigan Department of Education, with state legislators, with other external parties. So really, we were, we were very happy in February to see that the governor included $160 million in her budget for the Healthy School Meals for All program, as well as $1 million for school meal debt elimination. Now, that's not the end of the road. You know, we, The budget process moves through the state legislature, who is vested with the power of the purse. So the governor's executive budget recommendations allow her to highlight the priorities that she has for the legislature. And we hope to see the legislature keep this in the budget. We hope to enact a law that makes this effective in perpetuity. And we want to make sure that this program is enacted and is able to feed students. And so one thing we're looking to see is having the budget signed by mid-June.
1: The first call that we ever got uh, that that made us go, "Huh, we should probably do, be doing more with schools," was actually from a teacher, and she called Gleaners because she knew Gleaners uh, gives food that we're, the the food bank gives food to organizations uh, who are serving hungry people, and and she basically said. I just can't afford to keep doing this. And we're like, keep doing what? She was buying meals for the students in her classroom every single day out of her own money. Mm -hmm. And what we learned was that she wasn't the only one, that this is happening in many, many school districts, and maybe all, we didn't do that research, so I can't say that for sure, but in many, many school districts, there were several teachers in in the schools who were using their own money so that kids who had come to school and hadn't eaten anything would at least have something uh, so that they could focus and so we were like, well, this isn't the way the system should work. You know, I mean, it. not only is it not great for kids to, to come to school and not know, or if they don't have that teacher, they might not get anything. But also uh, that the teachers are so aware, just feet on the ground of the impact it has on their classroom to have food so that kids aren't distracted and as you were talking about earlier all those positive benefits of you know behavior and performance and and so on and so forth and teachers knew it right without any research they knew it so so i mean i just want to i just want to reinforce from the standpoint of those of us who are feet on the ground working with people that's still happening
2: what was said earlier in this conversation is that you know, the the listserv we have, the invite list that we have is, is over 100 individuals and groups. And one thing we've heard from across the state is that this is just not feasible. The way we're doing things is not feasible. We need to make sure the burden is taken off of these people who are using the goodness of their heart to try and ensure that these students are being fed. We need to make sure that this is enacted in state law, we need to make sure that funding is included in the budget, and we need to make sure that we are addressing these disparities and these problems that are coming up all over the state of Michigan. And I come from, um, I'm one of five, and there are three current or former teachers within my family, so I really know kind of firsthand, and, and some of these experts and these teachers we've talked to across the state... Really, know firsthand what is going on and what these problems we're seeing are.
1: You know, and the math isn't really that that terrible. You you got one hundred and sixty million dollars and one point four million students, right? That's one hundred and fourteen dollars per student per year. If I got that math right. I mean, that's, that's not some, you know, tremendous amount of, oh, my God, we're just pouring way too much money into the future of our, of our <laughs> universe, you know. I mean, yeah. at, at some point, <laughs> at some point you go, you know, that math really works out when you're talking about investments in every child in the state of Michigan uh, and, and making sure those children can thrive.
2: In the, the changes that we would see for this, the tangible benefit that would come from this, aside from being the right thing to do, you can't put a cost on it.
0: Well, you know, I here's here's my thoughts listening to you guys talk is so it's, it's health outcomes, it's educational outcomes, but I'm I'm gonna look at this a little bit differently, that this is an investment in the workforce of tomorrow. Uh, If a kid does not have access to food, I don't really matters to me what else the programming looks like, because it's, I'm sorry, but it's food first. (laughs) It's not food only, but it is food first. And if you're hungry as a parent, you got one problem. You're worrying about what are you going to eat, but more importantly, you're going to worry about what you give your kids. So if a, a kid does not have access to the food that they need in order to develop this is the child that many of our businesses will be trying to hire in ten or fifteen years. So it is a educational outcomes, it is a health outcomes, but it is also a workforce development strategy. And I think that the folks at MEDC and the Department of Labor and all of these things, I think there are partners in this.
2: And as you just said, the benefits from this extend beyond just education. We know that this would be a transformative program that set students, that set students, that set adolescents, children up for better success in life.
1: You know, one more, one more. I think really important thing to raise in this conversation is that you know, healthcare has been talking about the social determinants of health for. 20 or more years and but healthcare can't be expected to solve all those things on their own right they know and the research shows that food is medicine and that what when you when you look at all the benefits of the proper diet and the proper nutrition and getting people access to the right foods, the, the cost of health care goes down significantly uh, when it comes to treating those illness. In other words, you know, it's the old adage, right? Uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And so all of this gets connected right when we start to give the message to our communities that that diet is important and nutrition is important and and it affects your health and if you and if you want to live a healthy life and live with people around you who are living a healthy life you've got to make it clear early in life That this is worth doing. So, you know, I think there's so many important things that connect to this issue of school meals for all that we just have to keep making these investments one step at a time until we get all these things right. And then, I mean, truthfully, we all live in a better community
2: as a result. What you just said, social determinants of health, the health equity benefit from a program like this cannot be overstated. You know, we know that healthcare is a big driver of social determinants of health, but so are things like education and housing. And making sure that these students are set up for success is just integral in making sure that we're addressing disparities and problems that we have in society. But also another part on the the health aspect, we know that children are unhealthy right now. We know that one third are not only at an unhealthy weight, but that they're at increased risk of developing heart disease and diabetes. And this means that now children and students have health conditions that were previously only associated with adults, things like high blood pressure and high cholesterol levels. We know that they're consuming too much sodium, they're consuming too much added sugar, and they're not getting enough fruits and vegetables. So we really need to ensure these students are set on this path for success and that we implement this program that can address all of these things we just talked about,
0: Colin. That's great insight, and thank you so much for being with us. I, I know you've got uh, other appointments here, but thanks for taking the time to uh, to help kind of spread the news here, and uh, thanks for the work you're doing to organize uh, all of us who are passionate about this. Uh, I'm telling you, just there's there's two words, Jerry, that should never go together child and hunger and that's colin mcdonough that's his work that's what he's doing right now as the director of government relations and for the american heart association here in michigan and uh, colin thanks for being with us and we're going to have you back if you're willing to come and uh, give an update to our to our listeners here uh on the show here on wjr as well as the podcast and let them know how this is going will do thank you for having me jerry and i are back in just a moment. Food first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Welcome back, everybody. Jerry Brisson, myself, Dr. Phil Knight, and that was Colin McDonough. I. I like Colin.
1: He's, he's pretty passionate. Standing in the gap for these kids, he's my kind of guy. Yeah, he's put a lot of time in, too, you know, and I will say that expertise takes time. What does the outlier's book say? 10,000 hours? Yeah. To right. become really good at something? I think there's 10,000 hours in 10 years, isn't there? Yeah, there's at least.
0: <laughs> well, and, you know, I think, the uh, you know, the the book that talks about, you know, that really takes Pareto's principle from you know the the 20% of you that you do gives you 80% of your return and 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 I, I the the book the one thing takes that principle the pareto principle down to not not 20% but one thing yeah and that yeah. clues very good in with the outliers book so i would say that's a that's something for all of us to think about jerry let me give you the states that have already adopted healthy school meals for all So um, California, Colorado, Maine, Vermont, Nevada, and Massachusetts, Minnesota, and New Mexico just created programs this month, and they're working that through the process. So let's see, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight states that either have done it or in process.
1: I really want Michigan to be in the top ten here. Well, and one of the things we didn't talk about in this is what it does for the schools. We we touched on it a little bit, but I mean, the the school budget directors have to have to factor in every year how much how many kids are going to sign up for free and reduced meals and then how many kids are going to sign up to pay for the meals and then they've got to manage all the all the accounts for all those kids in order to distinguish between them all, right? It, I mean, there is some administrative overhead there. That's it's pretty onerous. And, you know, you those are things that are easy to take for granted. Um, you know, when we start thinking about what is the best possible thing for kids, and then you start looking at, well, you know, it, it's not just going to benefit the kids, which is obviously, you know, the highest purpose. There's actually a lot of administrative benefits to this as well that, that get... You know, removed from the equation, so that every kid can just come to school and and get food and and you know eat healthy food, and so you know that 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 helps in a lot of ways. And of course, you know we we always talk on this show about doing more and better, and and so you got to look at the whole picture, all of the ways programs like this can help us do both more and better. Well, I'm I'm going to throw the word evaluation out
0: here. And I think evaluating the school meals program, uh, I've seen a couple social media posts where uh, this this healthy school meals movement has generated. And again, appreciate Colin and his leadership. No Kid Hungry, United Way, MDE, all of them taking some leadership roles. The governor and her staff, for sure, that all the programs. Your programs, my programs, their programs, our programs, everybody's programs should be, in my mind, in a constant state of evaluation. How do we do more and better?
1: Yeah, and sometimes you can actually save money and do better. And so, you know, we always want to look at that, too. We, we're absolutely convinced that if we gave families food at home, um and and then they they could make lunches that they know their kids want to bring to school that that's a good deal for for school systems and families um and it's it's something that could be easily worked into a program like school meals for all over time you know we we look at what's best and what's most effective i also want to say you know, we talked in the show about the nutritional value of the meals, and they they definitely have formulas for making those meals uh, go by the USDA MyPlate mm-hmm. um, percentages, which is all the right stuff and all very healthy. But we don't actually measure consumption and satisfaction, right? Mm. And we need to do that because kids who are actually eating the meals and satisfied with the meals they're getting are going to eat more of those great foods um, in the right, you know, percentages, if you will, as a, as their overall diet. And so, you know, we, we have to keep looking at how do we best serve kids and families fundamentally with the idea that it helps us all in the long run. I mean, gosh, I wish I had in front of me, uh, the number of healthcare dollars that would be saved, uh, every year if we just put food first. And I want to say it was in the billions. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and that's a national statistic, but I want to say it was upwards of $80 billion. It's huge. It's an incredible amount. And, you know, I think, again, I'm I'm
0: I'm not scared of evaluation, but I, I want that, play, that playing field to be level. I want us all evaluating. So, like, for food banks, if we're evaluating ourselves, are we giving the the food that people both want and need. And if we are, we know that they're going to consume that food or more likely to consume that food. Otherwise, we're running a very expensive waste program.
1: And we don't want to do that, and we don't think schools should either.
0: Right. So I think the, the, the playing field, we all have to look at our work and say, how do we do more, how do we do better so that we can do more? And I'm not talking about more resources or more money. I'm talking about how do we get more impact. Right. How do we do better and more? And then we can decide if we're using the dollars that we're getting right now and the return on that investment is good, then it looks like we might be able to get some more because we're doing well. We're having the impact that the program is designed to do. But I, the concept is there, I like it. Uh, anything that gives kids access to food that they want and need That, I think, is a positive policy, and and I think the Food Bank Council fully supports it.
1: Without a doubt. Without a doubt. It's great to see the American Heart Association again. We've worked with them in things in the past. Sure. Um, And so, you know, always a good partner to us and to the work that we're trying to do with kids and families and community members. And so great to be partnering with them and, and seeing their leadership on this issue for sure. So here's, a, let me throw this at you. And I know you
0: drink one cup of coffee at home every morning. Um, I drink more than that. <laughs> and every once in a while, I'll go through my local Big B and I'll, I'll buy the cup of coffee for the person behind me in, uh, in line. Now I got burned on that a couple of times, so now I've been checking. So, what did they order? Because somebody came through behind me one time, and they ordered for their entire office, <laughs> and I committed to doing it. And then I found out it was, you know, forty bucks. And so, anyway, I so somebody said I heard them say this, and stop buying the person behind you their cup of coffee in in the Big B or the Starbucks line or wherever you are going. And call your local school and ask them, do you have kids that have school meal lunch debt? Oh, right. The guy behind you in the coffee line can probably buy their own coffee. But take that money and give it to and pay off somebody's school debt loan. And I felt kind of convicted about that. And so the, I changed my my
1: giving path yeah what a great feeling that must be what a great feeling that must be you know to know that you're helping a family who's struggling and a and a child thrive in school just by taking that one issue off the table and as you said earlier you know a family that's trying to figure out how to get enough food to feed their kids is spending a lot of effort on that that could be spent in, in other ways that we know they'd rather be spending that time and effort sure absolutely
0: Well, I am happy to see that in the proposed budget from the governor's office, there is $1 million separated there to take care of school debt. So that gets wiped out across all of our school districts. And, you know, Jerry, I think just as a follow-up to this show, it would be good to have Diane Golzinski from the Michigan Department of Education on because when I was in a meeting with her and with Colin about this, Diane gave a brief presentation about there, there would be uh, some schools that would not embrace this idea of, of, um, of, of healthy school meals for all. And it, I found that a bit astonishing, but I mentioned it in the monologue that sometimes there's a political dogma that people are adhered to that gets in the way of really doing what's best, particularly for the children. And so I think it'd be interesting to
1: hear some of that perspective. I certainly think it's reasonable to ask questions, right? In fact, if we want to get better at what we do, people asking questions is going to make us better, right? And sometimes even a crazy question gets you thinking differently. So Mm -hmm. I'm a big proponent of people asking questions. But here's the thing. You can't let your ideology get in the way of the facts. There are a lot of facts that support... What happens when you have healthy school meals for all? Uh, Colin talked about many of them. There is research that backs up why it actually works. And and fundamentally, investing in those kids and families now at this time in their life is going to have many positive benefits. So you can't just resist something because it doesn't fit your ideology. you got to have facts.
0: Well, it's all about what's best in my yeah. mind, what's best for the kids uh, we got to take a quick break here, Jerry, and come back and wrap up this show. But I, I really appreciate your thoughts, particularly on the stigma and the consumption. You know that now it's healthy school meals for all. Nobody has to worry. Do I get it? Do I not? And I think removing that stigma is really good. He's Jerry Besson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We're going to be back in a minute to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan. Make sure to come back and be with us. We're back, everybody. Jerry, final thoughts
1: on healthy school meals for all. You know, we need to keep building systems that work for kids and families that reduce food insecurity and help kids thrive. That's the bottom line. This is a good program to do that. An investment of just over $100 per student is not that terrible. And when you line it up against the, the benefits, it is the opposite of terrible. It's fundamentally the kind of thing we need to do for a relatively small amount of money.
0: You know, Jerry, I think it also illustrates that there's not one answer for this challenge. There's many different ideas that create a solution, and I think this is one of them. Time for a little food for thought. Jay Weatherill, a 16-year leader of the Labor Party movement in Australia, said this, I believe that investing in our children's development from the earliest age is the single most important contribution we can make to the health and well-being of our citizens, their capacity, and the future prosperity of our state. And he kept his word. Investment into the effective programming during his years of leadership yielded outstanding results in education, health, and behavior. One of the programs he prioritized was essentially what Jerry and I call Food First. He ensured through a variety of ways that children were food secure and it is paying dividends now into the next generation of workers for South Australia. I hope and pray we have leadership that prioritizes children regardless of their circumstance to make them food secure and thereby give the best chance at life they can ever have. We'll do this by putting and keeping Food First, folks. Food First.
2: Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.